When I was in the Navy, we had to uh, go through our routines and have our daily checklist and everything we had to do. Well, first thing we had to do, one of the first things we had to do when we woke up was make our bed in the military way of doing our corners correctly, being able to quote-unquote bounce a quarter off it. And I hated doing it. And so I made concessions to uh, comfort, personal comfort, for uh, not having to do these extra little things or make things perfect or whatever. So one of the things I came up with was to um, sleep on top of my bed and use only my very not big towel as uh, my blanket. And they would mess with us by turning down the thermostat, turning it up. So some mornings you'd wake up freezing, other mornings you would wake up sweating, and I would just have this towel on there so I could hop out of bed and not have to worry about making it. So you would think some of these lessons would stick, but I don't think it's so much about what doesn't stick as to the things we take in and then eventually somewhere down the line stick. So reading Think Like a Monk, which has been talked about excessively the last couple of podcasts, but it's what I was reading and there was a lot of good information in there. Well, one of the things in there was making your bed every morning. So the monks would sleep on their mats on the floor. They'd wake up, get dressed, make their beds, go brush their teeth, and then go do their morning prayer. And so I started to like incorporate these things, which is funny because I can't tell you how many self-help, management, whatever books I've read where they say, start off making your bed every morning, blah, blah, blah. And it was one of the uh, main routines or whatever. And it just was one of those things that I just never did or never stuck or never felt like it incorporated in any way. Well, now I have started doing it thanks to this book. So I think it's these layers of input where you just keep building this foundation until you're ready to implement or do these things for whatever reason. But there's actually a book, and I looked it up, called Make Your Bed, Little Things That Can Change Your Life and Maybe the World written by Admiral William H. McRaven. So I just found that a little funny that I spent years reading this stuff, knowing this stuff, having it be the way I was supposed to start my day in the military. Like from day one, you learn to do this thing of make your bed and keep your bed made and have your corners and everything. And But I found a way around that because I just didn't want to do it. So I sacrificed comfort to not make my bed and you know, maybe had I made my bed then and kept making my bed, some of these things would have stuck differently. Or these little mind games or mental games we play with ourselves would have resonated differently with me over the years. So for the record, I'm not sleeping on top of my bed now to try to prove a point to myself or make have my bed be made when I wake up in the morning. But I did think about it the other night, which is where this story comes from. So, yeah, that was one of the many little stories from my military days. But um, so I just wanted to share that as a as a piece of the uh, think like a monk and changes I'm making to my life and things I'm trying to do to get my morning started off right and just create these routines and these things that I'm not doing because I don't have the purpose drivenness right now, which I think 
from what I'm hearing and reading and seeing online and stuff, a lot of people are having these problems where when you work from home, you don't have to get up and take your shower and brush your teeth and do this and do that to to function as a work employee. You can just get up, roll over, and start logging in. Sometimes I'm just sitting here on the floor with my laptop naming PDFs and filing stuff and sending off files and everything else. And, you know, you just don't have those routines you have to go through. So I'm trying to build those routines back in and do those things. Although I do appreciate being able to sit on the floor in my pajamas and not always do the work. So anyway, I wanted to share that as a a lesson learned from a book. And um, another piece of this rolling into, because, so that's been in my brain one to share that story with you and two these little subtle changes I'm making which I keep forgetting to brush my teeth in the morning because I'm just not awake yet not that I don't brush my teeth in the morning but I mean like right off as part of my routine but then I started thinking about that so I there's that piece of forgiveness there's that piece of realizing there's that piece of growing there's that piece of acknowledging and it seems whatever it is in our brains that are created the way they are. And I've read a lot about evolution and how we are meant to be scared because the people who were scared of the saber tooth tiger lived and the ones that were like, I'm fearless. And then they went out and got eaten. Like they died off and we evolved to have fears and we evolved to be aware and we evolved to pay attention. We just live in a world now where these things are being stimulated differently. I'm not going down that path, but we have these things built into us for a reason because the ones that were scared or stayed inside or didn't go out and do crazy stuff were the ones who lived. So these pieces of our brain have been evolved to be where they're at. So long story short, make your bed. But kind of the point of telling that story is to acknowledge that things take time. So one of the things I've noticed is I do my two minute journal and I would get upset at myself and I only had that I've been trying to journal or doing pieces of journaling more consistently since like divorce stuff kicked in. But it's something I, again, I've been aware of for so long about the benefits of journaling and how you should journal. And Matthew McConaughey just wrote a best-selling book, uh, Green Lights, based off his years of journaling and journals and all these little pieces of informations and insights and all these things. And and it's the, I would get upset at myself about not having the the routine down or not journaling every day. And when you're stuck in this pattern, you're stuck in this mindset, it doesn't, things don't always register or click the way they could or should when you're being kinder to yourself or more open to the experience or understanding that you're building a muscle or a skill. And I would get so upset at myself for like not being able to do this simple thing and not waking up to write in my journal and and like how I'm failing at one more thing because I can't I can't do this stupid thing. And I got this journal and it's just going to be another journal, another book, another something that sits on a shelf or gets put in a box or just disappears. And I just had this negative self-talk around this and just beating myself up over it because it was just one more thing to just this is why this sucks and this is why you ended up where you did and just pummeling myself just like a Rocky movie, just jabbing myself in the 
ribcage and just hit after hit. And it dawned on me recently that I've been journaling in my two minute journal every day, not every morning, but I do get it in every day. And, you know, I focus on my daughter and stuff, but I also want my daughter to see me journaling and I want her to be doing that stuff or be aware of it. So I'm trying to like change the, the behavior, but it is a daily thing where she wants my attention when she hasn't seen me for a few days and stuff. So it's a balance, but, but I've journaled every day for, I don't know how long now, because I just, eventually I built the habit and, and I am actually down to my last, like whatever pages. And because I didn't journal every day, I actually made it as long as I did, ironically, but I just ordered a new one and it was like 11 bucks on Amazon because, you know, discounts and all that other stuff or just Amazon discounts. But I was going to ask for it again for Christmas. It just, it means so much to me now to keep it going. And I'm going to miss it by a few days if I, if I didn't buy it myself. And I thought it'd be kind of a cool pattern to get into with my stepdad to be able to buy me this journal or whatever. But more important to do the journaling and not lose what I'm doing in it. And I love it. I love this two minute journal. Even if I start and I have another journal I've been kind of messing around with. It's more of a play. It's called Zen as F-U-C-K and it's got like the scribbles on the F. But it's more of a fun journal about write something and then do this or make this mark or whatever. But I'm actually doing that too, but still doing my two minute journal every day. Which on a side note, um, on my... Uh, Amazon page when I looked up make your bed there is a advertisement at the top of the page for the one minute journal because if I want to be able to be journal well but I want to build the habit then what's better than a two minute morning a one minute morning and if you have not seen or if you remember the movie there's something about Mary there's the I think I just talked about this recently too because it's just funny, but he has the uh, five, ten minute abs and he's like six minute abs, um, so it's pretty funny. Anyway, that's just what it made me think of. But it's just building that habit, and I just you have to acknowledge that's going to happen. And then listening to all the podcasts I do, one of them was about building the habits. You lay the journal out in front of you, or put it on next to your coffee maker, whatever it is you're, that's going to remind you to journal. And it's just that thing of like, like somewhere in my head, and I don't know if it's like this for you or not, but we, we only hear snippets of stories and we grew up on, which is one of the reasons I'm so against screens, but we grew up on these half hour sitcoms and these TV shows and stuff where everything gets wrapped up in that 30 minutes and everything happens in this time strain that, that you just, at least again, me, started to see life as this thing of like, boom, this will be finished in 22 minutes or I want to start journaling. So I'm going to be a journaler by the end of the show, even though I'll never look back or reference the fact that I journal ever again. But for the show, it's a highlight of how to be a better person and get mindful. And it's just not how it works. And our brains don't just automatically start doing stuff because it's going to be better for us or we want to do it or it's right or whatever it is. You've got to work at it. And I think these things get missed and it's a whole rabbit hole I'm going to go down but but we're we have to build up to what it is we want to do and I've talked about the body in motion tends to stay in motion because I think our life is kind of sometimes boiled down to these just simple simple ideas or philosophies or things people came up with a long time ago and we keep trying to compliment 
communicate these things by creating different and better ways or whatever. It's like, no, just start moving. If you're sitting on your butt and you're watching TV or you're scrolling through your phone, then you're not moving. And if you start moving, then you can keep that momentum going. And you're not going to run every day. But once you start running, then you've started the process of running and then it'll make it easier to do it the next time whether you do it the next day or a week later you've you've broken that or you go and you buy a pair of running shoes and then they sit there and you look and you're like today's the day and you put them on and maybe you don't go out for the run but you have the shoes so now you can do the run and then you put them on and you're like okay that's what they feel like or you take a walk or you do whatever but you just start building these habits and you have to work at it our bodies are meant to to take care of themselves in the way we've evolved to take care of ourselves so that's why we we are drawn to sugary junk foods and stuff because those aren't things we we would get a lot of typically so then it's like ooh, this is nutrition this is something i don't normally get so i'll eat extra of it but now we can get it wherever we want however we want as much as we want for pennies on the dollar and our bodies have not evolved to take it in like that and so when you're making these changes, not only are we pushing against sitting in front of the TV and just vegging out, like I couldn't sleep, so it's 1.30 in the morning on Sunday, like Saturday night was last night, Sunday morning, sometimes that gets confusing, and there was just this piece of me that was like, I'm going to go downstairs, I'm going to sit, I'm going to watch TV, and I'm already behind on putting out my podcast because I kind of kept moving and checking and I haven't seen my daughter as much as I normally do because of holiday transitions and stuff. And it was just like, ugh. And I didn't run as much as I wanted to, but I did run today. And, but I've created the process of running. And so I'm not trying to overcome a hurdle of just starting. I'm just having to allow myself that time to be a little sad or whatever and be like, okay, enough's enough. Now we need to change this up. And yes, you were sad. And yes, you got to be sad. But now we're going to go forward because forward is is where we want to be because that's where we ultimately feel better which is probably why i'm still awake right now is because i hadn't been running or whatever i went for a run and it kind of juiced me up and i feel good so it's not a complaint but but anyway so the the point being is that these we have to work at these things we have to push against these things and we have to know that what we're doing is best and right for us even if it it's easier to do the other things. So watching less TV, reading more, getting outside, listening to audio books or podcasts instead of sitting in front of the TV or watching better TV if that's what we're watching. And yes, it's okay to watch your shows and just enjoy stuff or whatever. It's not all about, you know, self-improvement, which sounds weird to say, but... um, but you need those downtimes and that rest and your brain to relax and stuff too. But you got to start pushing and you, you got to understand that it's not going to happen right away. It's not going to happen overnight. It took me months of my two minute journal to get in a pattern. And I didn't even realize I was in a pattern. Just all of a sudden I was. And then it kind of dawned on me that, oh my gosh, I'm in this pattern. So that's kind of my, my piece on that because I... I was reading, as I was reading Think Like a Monk, I just started feeling things differently. And again, I can't tell you how many times I read, make your bed first thing in the morning. I mean, 
everything from self-help books to management books to how to be a better this, how to be a better that, how to get over your depression, how to manage your people better, whatever it is, wake up and make your bed. And it just started to resonate as a piece of creating normalcy and routine. And when I go to bed at night, my bed is made and I sleep better. So I'm doing something first thing in the morning that builds a routine so that when I get to the end of the day, I can just go to sleep and not have to worry about making my bed or crawling into a bed and being uncomfortable because I'm trying to make the blankets and stuff work for me. So it's almost like a gift to myself at night, regardless of what happens to the day. That's just something I don't have to worry about. I just get to go to bed and it's nice. And it took me 20 some odd, 25 years of reading all this stuff to finally kind of start to enact it. Just like it's taken me 25 odd years of knowing journaling is amazing for you to enact it. And the piece of that, that there's two things I want to talk about as far as the fathering piece of this is we, I think all the time about like the way kids eat in other countries and the way we eat here and how obesity levels are through the roof and our children and it's an epidemic and all these things but like kids in other countries you can google like what kids eat for breakfast in other countries and kids are eating beans and corn tortillas and hummus and depending on the area they're at you know or they have like an egg with a piece of toast and some cheese on the side or something like a french breakfast and and to see like and our kids are eating cereal with enough sugar in it to get them through the entire week of their sugary daily needs or pancakes with syrup dripped over top of them which is the sugar amount they need for the month and these things are having an effect but like kids who are growing up in other areas that are being taught different things aren't doing the things our kids are doing and are not having the health issues that our kids are having Early adult onset diabetes is now type 2 diabetes in children. Just as an example, it didn't even used to happen in kids. And then in the last 20-ish years, our, we had to change the name of something because it wasn't early adult onset anymore. It was, oh, these are happening to our 5-year-olds. So, so the point of that is when we start like why I want my daughter to see me journaling and I talk about these things and we do three gratitudes at bedtime every night is to build these habits and lay this foundation because she's going to know what these things are. She's going to know journaling is good for her and maybe she gets ahead on me. Like somehow Matthew McConaughey started journaling early. I don't know where he learned it, who picked it up, who influenced him, a teacher, his dad. I haven't read the book yet and he hasn't said it in the interviews I've heard. But Somewhere along the lines, he started journaling, and I would assume if you're journaling at 16, 17, 18 years old, some of that foundation was laid somewhere, or somebody influenced you positively, or somebody that you trust and listen to that you admired or saw something good and said to do this, and so you're like, oh, I'm going to start doing this thing, and then it you know, has huge benefits for you throughout your whole life. So laying these foundational things, talking about how to you know, breathe better so you don't get so upset or calms yourself down when you are upset or takes that minute. Like these are things we should be teaching our kids because I guarantee the majority of adults don't know it and I'm aware of it and I still suck at it. 
only with one person in particular, but I do really well in email and stuff now because I've learned to take that breather, to write it out. I share it with a friend. They give me their feedback and then I even hold back from that and I wait and then I narrow it down from that to be like, what's the point of what I want to say here versus letting me just shoot my venom out or show that I'm angry or get in a good dig or something. It's just not worth it. And that person isn't worth it. But I do need to get over that hump. But when they're in front of me, I'm still working on that piece. But I'm aware of it and I'm understanding how, okay, what do I need to do now? Because I am aware that this person is a trigger for me and this person does. I just don't want to hear them talk, but I have to. So how do I handle this or how do I deal with this or how do I take that breath before I walk into the situation or whatever it is. But these skill sets, these things I've been reading about and learning about for decades literally at this point and how do I implement them and now on my run I was thinking like how do I start to like lay this foundation for my daughter and I think I'm doing it I would like to be more proactive about it but teaching her that you know writing your thoughts out talking about your thoughts looking for gratitudes helps your day be better knowing that if you take a deep breath before you talk you will give yourself that minute of not just reacting or or holding off for just a second allows your brain that time to process instead of just going and and those are things that aren't gonna maybe work now or maybe it will or maybe she's like oh dad told me to do this and I trust my dad or whatever but when it does happen or when she is ready to learn it she'll be literally a decade or two ahead of me from even starting to learn this information to put it out there so that started off in a big arc of making my bed and got to there but there is one more thing I want to talk about and it's something that's kind of been on my mind for a while like all of this parenting stuff that I wanted to talk about and share and I don't have an answer to it but I heard so the whole thing about being a friend to your child and how you're not supposed to be a friend or whatever and it seems to be and again I don't know if it's this way universally or if people struggle with this or have this in their head or talks or how they're supposed to interact with their kid or treat their kid but it was just bugging me because the things I see or whatever it's like don't be a friend to your kid or your job isn't to be their friend and I don't know that what the right or wrong answer is there. Let me just start with that. But I also don't think you should just shut something off. And I don't think that, I don't think the way we have parented to this point throughout all of history, or at least like maybe it was right like, you know, a million years ago or something, and then we screwed it up slowly over time, or I don't know. But I mean, at one point, it wasn't that long ago, and US kids were working in coal mines and factories and they still are around the world so yeah there's a lot of things we have to get right or change or fix here but but the whole friend thing just stuck with me because it's this one it it was kind of put on me that I was like trying to be my daughter's friend or something I was like well not being horrible to my kid doesn't mean I'm trying to be her friend it just means I'm trying to not be horrible to my kid and then it's, it's a line so it's like one of those things left over from like time with my previous situation where it just sort of left a lingering how what what is this like how do you process this and so 
I got the idea to look up dictionary.com parent. A noun for parent is a father or mother, an ancestor, precursor, or progenitor, a source, origin, or cause. Adjective, being the original source. <laughs> Biology pertaining to an orga organism, cell, or complex molecular structure that generates or produces another. Verb, used with object. To be or act as parent of. So that is the definition, the dictionary definition of a parent. Synonyms for parents, father, mother, ancestor, architect, author, begetter, cause, center, creator, folks, forerunner, fountainhead, guardian, origin, originator, originator, progenitor, prototype, root source, wellspring, procreator. That is all very, very uh, dry. So then I started thinking, okay, well, what is mother? Noun, a female parent, often initial capital letter, one's female parent. Adjective, being a mother, of relating to or characteristic of a mother. Verb, to be the mother of, give origin or rise to, to acknowledge oneself, the author of, assume as one's own. Synonyms, mom, parent, ancestor, creator, mommy, origin, predecessor, progenitor, source, child, bearer, forebearer, procreator. And now father, a male parent, a father-in-law, stepfather, adoptive father, any male ancestor, especially the founder of a family or line, progenitor. To beget, to be the father of, to be the creator, founder, or author of, originate. Verb, to form, perform the task or duties of a male parent, act paternally. Synonyms, ancestor, dad, parent, predecessor, begetter, daddy, origin, pa, padre, papa, pop, progenitor. Sire, source, forebear, or procreator. And those are the definitions of a parent and a mother and a father, according to dictionary.com. And yeah, I guess that's exactly what those things are. And I'm supposed to be that thing. Now, for the record, that's not a setup. That wasn't me getting ready for the big mic drop or anything or whatever because I was genuinely curious as these debates kind of rage on or people have this opinion or that opinion or say what you are or are not supposed to do as a parent. I was genuinely curious to be like, oh, what literally is the definition of a parent? And then I thought about that or whatever and I was like, wait a minute, what's the definition of a mother? Ooh, what's the definition of a father? And then on dictionary.com it has the synonyms right there and I was like oh I wonder what those are like I was literally going down a rabbit hole because this was in my head so I was trying to piece this together well let me read you this noun a person attached to another by feelings of affection or personal regard a person who gives assistance patron supporter a person who is on good terms with another a person who is not hostile a member of the same nation, party, etc. Verb, rare, to befriend. Synonyms. Acquaintance, ally, associate, buddy, classmate, colleague, companion, cousin, partner, roommate, chum, cohort, compatriot, comrade, consort, crony, familiar, intimate, mate, pal, playmate, schoolmate, sidekick, spare, well-wisher, alter ego, bosom buddy and soulmate. Those are synonyms for the word friend. The definition was what I read before that. Now, 
I get there's like layers and you know nothing is just X, Y, or Z, but if you had the option, so you want to be a good parent and you are going to to have something be a basis for your parenting. I don't see the definition of parent or the definition of mother or father being great. I mean, I like, I know it's just the dictionary.com definition of the words or just the definitions of the words, but I would much rather be associated or if somebody laid those two out and said, which one do you want to be to your kid? I would want to be the person that they're attached to by feelings of affection. And, and I think I don't want to make this go too long. And again, I'm just kind of piecing this together, or thinking it through, but we should have a better definition of a parent. Like it should be more than just a father or mother. And, and if I had to choose, if someone was like, well, you're her father, you're her parent, or are you her friend? I mean, if I'm just literally basing it off definition, then yeah, I would rather be her friend because like, I want to be that person who is good to them and gives them assistance and has affection towards them. And I care about their personal regard. There's like none of that in the definition of parent or mother or father. And their synonyms are not anywhere better where it's like synonym, person who cares for or something. It's just all these dry procreator type words. And I think that stuff matters. I think, I think how we view words, see words, use words. I mean, we know that those things matter. We know the way that we use language is impactful and counts and matters, which is a whole other rabbit hole I could go down to, but I'm trying to keep these shorter. But just in the debate of whether or not you should be a friend to your kid or be your kid's friend, like, well, if I have the choice following a definition of a word of being their parent or being their friend, then I would take friend because that's better. <laughs> and I just, and again, I know it's not that simple and I'm just starting the debate in my head and I'm open to the conversation or I'm open to the debate or I'm open to, to going past the dictionary definition and hopefully I will, but, but at the end of the day, like, I, so there's a whole other thing in that's been in many other things and it did pop up in uh, uh, Think Like a Monk, but it's just the things that nobody gets in short. And I will talk more about this because gosh, I want to dig into this. I just don't want to make this too long, but it's like nobody gets to their deathbed and wishes they had worked longer hours or whatever. But like everything in our lives is built around thinking you're a piece of crap if you didn't do these things and then you get to your deathbed and you're like oh everything everybody told me to do makes me feel like shit now that I'm dying and I can't do anything about it like other people have lived and died before us and given us this information other people have lived and died before us and said hey when I got to my deathbed I wish I hadn't done exactly what I told you to do or lived my life exactly the way I lived it and now I can pass it on to you even though you're just going to ignore it and then keep doing what it was I did or told you to do, even though I'm now telling you I'm on my deathbed and wish I hadn't have done it. Like that's seriously messed up that that's where we're at, where we know this information, we have this information, we use this information and we don't 
do anything with it. We don't push ourselves to be better. We don't push ourselves to find a better balance. And we still promote people who, and I don't mean promote as in promote, although that's what we do, but we hide, hold people to a higher standard that sacrifice their friends or their family or their own well-being to make somebody else richer or to make other people richer or to spend time away from their family like like there seems to be a huge imbalance of the sacrifices and the way people are treated with what happens when you get to the end of your life and then you're like oh everything i did i kind of wish i had done differently but don't take my advice as I'm dying on my deathbed. Just keep going so that when you get here, you'll have the same regrets I did. Gah! Again, <laughs> try not to rabbit hole on that. But think about that. Look up the definition of a word, because that's what I'm going to start doing. Whenever I kind of get kicked in the teeth with something or I'm frustrated about something or somebody says something, I'm going to try to figure out what it is they really said. And when somebody tells me they want to be a parent to their kid, not their friend, I'm going to ask if they know what that means. Or I'm going to, no, I'm going to ask what it means to them. Because that is a starting point where I think we just say things or we say things that we think we're supposed to say or the way we're supposed to say it or what we were taught or what we were told without really thinking about what it is we're saying or not saying. And gun to my head, you look these up and said, do you want to be a parent? or a father, or a friend, you got the three, and I would be like, well, I'd pick friend, because the other two are just dry and horrible. Like, no, I don't want to be those things. I love being a father to my daughter, but we need to fix this definition, because <laughs> it's bad, and if we can make the definition be a little better, then maybe I'll pick that. Again, gun to my head, but yeah, so there's some work to be done, and we should do that work. And so I'm going to maybe look around and see. I'm kind of scared to look at Urban Dictionary for what those, how those words are defined. But um, just because you never know what you're going to find or Google on the, maybe I'll just Google it and see what pops up. I won't do that with you on here. But yeah, so anyway, I couldn't sleep. Instead of watching TV or vegging out, I did this because I'm behind on this. And then I waited. This is probably going to be my longest one yet since I started season two. But thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. There's so many things that go through my head, through my reading and everything that I just, I have nowhere to put it well. And so I might start doing more of these and getting myself in more of a habit of doing this too. But also maybe I can keep them shorter for you. So if you are listening, thank you very much for listening to A Better Father. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I feel like I used to give some challenges or something in season one. So maybe uh, next time you have a thought or a feeling or you're saying something, like really think about what you're saying or what it is you mean by what you're saying instead of just kind of using the word the way the word is, is thought to be met or is defined as meeting and if that's how we're kind of judging this then I could only assume that while we're directly talking to somebody who speaks the same language as us they might have a completely different idea or interpretation of that word and so even as I fixed it in this moment instead of asking like what do you mean by that I don't remember I said it but anyway 
asking what that word means to them or asking how, how it is they're meaning that can make a difference of interpretation and could make a difference in how something's being presented or talked about or controlled because yeah like that is not how i would define father so thank you for listening to episode five season two of a better father i'll be back soon and maybe less rambly but thank you goodbye